All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at 11 verses. And Matthew, this will be our, our second to last sermon. Today we're going to see that there's two roads. There's something we have to do with the directions. And then there's a right response. So there's two roads, something we have to do with directions, and then a right response. You could say it's a destination from our directions leading to a determination. And so this is very, very important. The topic today, it's not a light matter. It's a scary passage for me as a pastor. One of my greatest fears is what you'll see in the last two verses of our text. And so we've got some work to do. And so I'm going to pray, ask God to move, and see what He has for us today. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You for what You're doing. Lord, I ask that You help us see. Give us a heart to believe. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Do I have any seniors in the room? I've got juniors. Donovan's our senior, our drummer, who's enjoying fall break on a trip. Do you guys know what happens May 1st every year? Something called Decision Day. And on Decision Day, you have to pick what college you're going to go to. And I think there's a lot that goes into this decision. I remember working with Coach Hop when he was our senior counselor, working with our, our senior group. And what would happen is students are looking at a certain college that offers a certain degree at a certain price. Going to college is a huge decision. Financially, time commitment for four years. And so you look at the effort given into selecting a college. You see the anxiety that it brings. And so it's decision day, May 1st, every year. But there's a bigger decision that is to be made. And the scary part is you can live a lifetime ignoring this decision. And that's what we're going to look at today. So Jesus is the preacher with the Sermon on the Mount. He gets towards the end of his message, and now it's decision time. And what you'll see is, hey, enter the narrow gate. Be on guard against false teachers telling you different ways to go. And then he says, be careful. Because not everyone who says the right things will get the kingdom. So it's decision day. And what I want you to do this morning is look at the road you're on. Look at who you listen to. And then see who is Lord of your life. Who gets to tell you what to do? Many times it's ourselves. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. Jesus says it's not how it works in the kingdom. And so let's dig in to this passage. Today is Decision Day. It reminds me of the Old Testament book of Joshua. we got a few Joshua's in the room. Check this out, Joshua. Joshua 24, 14 to 15. 
It says, therefore, fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Right? So we just worship, but I wonder how far our hearts were from God. Were we able to focus on what we were singing? Were the words off of our lips flowing from our heart? Or were we just going through the motions? We show up on Sunday, we sing songs. And so here, Joshua will say, hey, I'm going to worship God with sincerity and truth. And then, get rid of the gods of your fathers who worship beyond the Euphrates rivers and in Egypt. And worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The God your fathers worshipped over across the Euphrates rivers, the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living, or worship the living God. As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. It's a decision. It's a decision. You'll either follow Jesus or you won't. But today is a decision day. Revelation 3.20 Jesus is seen. He says, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. And it's easy to hear the knock. But not everybody opens the door. It reminds me, we've got a friend down the road. And every day, without fail, she'll come knocking on the door. And she's looking for our girls. Right? They go outside and they play. But I know who's knocking. And I know by the knock who it is. And I think, man, I've got to answer the door. I've got to be nice to this girl. Even though nobody's home, day in and day out, she knocks, the door is open. It would be easy to ignore. Just keep the light off. Halloween, some of you will turn the lights out at your house. Nobody's home. Jesus is knocking. And some of us, as a matter of fact, many of us, will say, turn the lights on. Don't answer the door. But make no mistake, today is decision day. So let's see our decision. Decision number one, which gate will you enter through? Which road are you on? Enter the narrow gate. Start with chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. And so you have the two destinations. And you see, you can see it by the road. The road's not the important part, but the destination is. And so you see the urgency in which Jesus is pleading with the people, enter the narrow gate. Why? Because there's a road that leads to destruction and many are on it. And Jesus is saying, get off of that road. Enter the narrow gate. The gate's wide that leads to destruction. It's easy to walk through it. The road is wide. It's packed. There are many on it. But did you see the narrow gate? Did you see the narrow road? How many are on that? Few. Few find it. Enter, enter the narrow gate. Because there are two roads with two destinations. Which road are you on? Which road are you on today? The one leading to life or the one leading to destruction? Enter the narrow gate because there are two roads with two destinations. This is the road I want to be on. John 14, 6. John 14, 6. If you have your phones, you need to plug this verse in. If you're taking notes, you need to know this verse. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a narrow road. 
It's a narrow gate and few find it. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I am the road. I am the way. I am the gate. If you want to get to the Father, if you want to be in the kingdom, if you want heaven, it's only through Jesus. That's a narrow way. That's a narrow gate. And few find them. You can also see in Acts 4.12, there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. It's a narrow road. And there's two destinations. And you can be on the wrong road, but you don't have to stay on the wrong road. Get to Jesus. The narrow way. The road that leads to life. Enter the narrow gate. Because there's two destinations, but also enter the narrow gate because there are many who are on the wrong road. There's a parable that Jesus teaches. right? It's called Parable of the Sower. That doesn't help us too much. I don't know of too many people that are sowers in the room. But in Jesus' time, there were a lot of people that planted a lot of things. And a sower is someone who puts down seed to raise a crop. And what would happen is a sower would go out and he's throwing the seed and it fell on four different locations. Some of you know this story. Some of the seed falls on the path. Some of the seed falls on rocks. Some of the seed falls on thorns. And some of it falls on good soil. It says that the path, some of the people, when we share the gospel, which is the seed, when we share the good news about Jesus, we're like, that's not for me. It's like the seed that falls on a path and birds come and take it away. And there's a lot of people that respond that way. They don't give a rip about Jesus. They don't care about what he did. My life's good. I don't need him. Right? No fruit. Wrong road. But then you have some that fall on the rocks. And what happens is, man, they take off. And it looks like it's good. It looks like they received the word. It looks like they're following Jesus. But as soon as it gets tough, they're like, nope, forget this. And make no mistake, following Jesus is tough. You want to know what you're promised? Struggle. The Christian life is not an easy life. The road's narrow. It's difficult. It's denying yourself. It's taking up your cross. And there are a lot of people that come to church to get something out of it. Politicians will come to church to get votes. People will come to church to get all sorts of felt needs. And while that's not wrong, the reason we gather together is to worship Jesus. Because He changes lives. But what will happen is when the going gets tough, there's a group where the seed fell among the thorns. They say, nope, this isn't for me. And when they have to sacrifice, they're saying, I'm out. And there's a lot of people that that happens to. And then there's a third type. It's the thorns. And at first, man, there's life. It grows up. It looks good. It looks like they're following Jesus. But it says that the cares of this world choke out the life from the seed. And you guys have seen this, right? You guys see what weeds do to healthy plants. They'll come in and they'll take over. And what happens is someone one day will say, hey, I love Jesus, I'm going to follow him. And yet they don't last. Because there's always counterfeit gods. There's always things coming and saying, hey, no, I'm worth your attention. I'm worth your allegiance. Whether it's girlfriends or a marriage relationship will say, hey, I'm more important than Jesus. And you go after it. Or it's wealth. It's a job. And so you'll live your life worshiping your work because you want money and you want stuff and you want comfort. 
And that stuff chokes the life out of you. You're on the wrong road, going to the wrong destination. So Jesus gives this parable, and there's four types of soil, and three of them are bad. Three of them, you're on the wrong road. You see, the road that leads to destruction is a highway, and many find it. There's so many lanes on it. There's so many lanes to lead to destruction, leading to the same place, and it's packed. And yet Jesus says there's a fourth type of soil. It's good soil. And what happens is the gospel's planted, and it grows, and it bears fruit. You want to know if you're good soil? Is your life looking more and more like Jesus? Is your life more and more characterized by peace and gentleness and kindness and love and mercy? Are you sacrificing for others? Are you getting after Christ? If there's no hunger for Jesus, you're on the wrong road. And you know where it leads. There's two roads. Enter the narrow gate. There's two roads, and there are many on the wrong road. That is a scary passage. When you just look at our city, Covington, 40,000 people, most on the wrong road. There's a couple of things that happen to the church. Number one, our worship for Christ being the right road should be passionate. I was watching some football. There was some great football yesterday. There was some great football Friday night. Got a district win. You want to know what doesn't happen at sporting events? You don't have to tell fans to be loud. Was it loud at Kroger Field? Were you down there uh, for the Florida game? Was it kind of loud? Yeah. Did you have to say, hey, guys, you, you need to stand up and, and be passionate about? Yeah, it just happens. You see, when you love something, it's easy to see. And if Jesus took me from the wrong road leading to destruction and put me on the right road leading to life, and he's transforming my life and he's forgiven my sin, he's given me a new start, a new heart with new affections, my worship's not going to be, huh, I guess i got to go to church. So I can't wait to get there. can't wait to sing praises to the God who's changed me, who saved me, who rescued me, and put me on the right road, and sent me in the right direction. And one day I'll see Him face to face. Can't be lukewarm when it comes to Christ if we apply the passage. But then we can't sit still. Uh, Ava watched Titanic. It's on Netflix now. She watched a little bit of Titanic. And at the end, the boat sinks. But these rescue boats are out, and they don't come back because they're afraid there's too many people drowning and freezing to death that they'll tip their little rescue boat and take them down as well. And I thought, man, how could you do that? And then I realized there's a lot of little rescue boats in Covington, a lot of little churches in Covington. And if... The buildings represent the real church with people saved. We're rescued by Jesus. But we better not sit comfortably out of the way as people are dying, freezing to death. As people are on the wrong road, and we know many are. Our worship should be hot, and our urgency is now. We got to get to the city. We got to get around the globe. Because there's many on a big road leading to destruction. And then finally enter the narrow gate by looking to the cross. That is the narrow road. John 10, 9 through 11. Jesus is speaking. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved 
And I'll come in and out and he'll find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and life to the fullest. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You see, no one else has done that. When we couldn't get to God, God comes to us. That's what we'll see at Christmas. And then the way to God is what we celebrate at Easter. Jesus taking our place on the cross. The judgment that we deserve, the destruction that this passage is talking about, Jesus lives through and dies so that now there's no condemnation for those in Christ, for those on the narrow road. It's like Rowan County. Rowan County, we go down Double A Highway. Some of you guys know the roads. On Double A Highway, we go down, we make it, it's about a little over two hours. On our way back, it took us three hours. Why? We took a different route. The bus drivers didn't like Double A at, at night. It's a bad road. Scary road at night on a bus. And so they came 64 and hit 75 north. There's multiple ways to get back to Holmes and to get to Rowan County. And sometimes people think, I can get to God the same way. Some of you have heard of purgatory. Some of you have heard of, well, maybe I just do good enough. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I think I'll be all right before God. And we have all sorts of standards, and we think there's all sorts of ways. But Jesus says he's the only way. And Jesus never, ever lies. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And no one gets to the Father except through him. So when Jesus says, enter the narrow gate, what he's saying is, come through me. So here's my question. Which road are you on today? Which road are you on? All of us are traveling a road. And it leads to one of two destinations, destruction or life. Which road are you on? The difference is Christ. So Jesus says, enter the narrow gate. Today is decision day. Number two. Examine the fruit. Look at verse 15. Be on your guard. Joe, this reminds me of basketball, right? You don't just chill out on defense, do you? No, you lock down defensively to keep people from scoring. This is interesting because I think we fail at this right now. There's a lot of people teaching a lot of stuff, saying this is true and this is true and this is true. And the church is soaking it up. And yet, Jesus says, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. That is a scary thing. Because it looks like they're the real deal. It looks like people can be trusted. They look like sheep, but they're wolves. There's a lot of people talking right now that's influencing us that are wolves in sheep's clothing. And if you're listening and lining your life up with it, with their worldview and their teaching, you're on the wrong road leading to destruction. The false teachers point to the bad, big highway that many are on. But the good shepherd, who knows his sheep, points to the narrow way where you find life. How do you know if there's a false teacher? Let's keep reading. Verse 16. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. 
Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. It's pretty simple. But it's very deceiving. And many are fooled. It reminds me of cutting grass. Uh, we did, uh, it's now Double Tree, but it used to be the Radisson out at uh, the airport. It's a big hotel. And we're mowing the front of this hotel, my dad and I. Dad's on the mower. I'm weeding around this big circle. And all of a sudden, I hear this lady yelling, hey, hey, honking her horn. Dad stops the laser, gets down, walks towards her. And I hear her still yelling at him. And listen, some of you who know my dad, that's not a good idea, right? And he's yelling, and she's yelling, say, hey, when I'm honking, I need you to hurry up. And he's like, ma'am, what do you need? And she's like, I'm trying to get to the Florence Mall, and I have no idea where I'm going. He goes, ma'am, you just go up to this stop sign, and you take a right. Say, all right. She peels off. And I'm proud of my dad. I go to dad, my dad, I'm glad you handled it that well. I said, what does she need? She's like, well, she was asking for directions of Florence Mall. I'm like, oh, well, all right. Well, you did great handling. She's like, yeah. I told her to go to Erlanger instead of Florence. <laughs> Gave her the wrong directions. At the stop sign, you go the other way. Dad loved it. There's a lot of people that'll smile and tell you the wrong thing. And it leads to the wrong way. Your worldview has to line up with the truth. And when people start coming in sheep's clothing, they're hard to see. So you look at the fruit. Two things I want us to do as a church. Number one, when it comes to deciding who we're listening to, who we're believing, number one, be on your guard, line everything up with the Word of God. Line everything up with the Word of God. So when, when a college professor tells you one thing or, or a high school teacher tells you one thing, you take what they've said, line it up to the Bible. When a pastor tells you one thing, take what they say and line it up to the Bible. Just because someone's in a church building opening up this Bible does not mean it's truth. You want to know what, what Satan did when he came to Jesus to tempt him? Satan took the Word of God and misapplied it. This Bible has been used for all sorts of purposes. You have to know the Word. You've got to know Christ. So we take everything. We line it up to the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3. Check out what, what happens, what, the, what we're promised because of the Bible. Hey, and if you're not in your Bible, if you don't know what's real, you'll fall for anything that's fake. And I think that's one of our problems. We have more copies of the Bible in the planet than ever before in history. You can get it electronically. You can get it in 15 different translations. And I don't think we get it. I don't think we dig in. Don't answer this question out loud. How many of us dug into the Word this week? Did we spend more time in the Word than we did on social media? Did we spend more time in the Word than we did watching TV? Did we spend more time in the Word than we did talking to friends? We have to dig into the Word if we're going to know the truth. We've got to know the Bible. And if we believe this is the Word of God, which it is, watch how God transforms us through His Word. Check this out in 2 Timothy. It says, And you know that from embassies you have known the sacred scriptures, right? You've known the Bible, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ. You see what the Bible does? It points to the narrow way. It points to Jesus. It gives you life. 
a lot of times people see this like, well, if I, if I do what Jesus called me to do, I'm not going to party and I'm not going to go be able to hang out with my friends. I'm not going to be able to sleep with whoever I want to. And, and we think that in that our joy is minimized. But here's the crazy part. When you get God, your joy is to the fullest. When you live the way you were created to live, your joy is maximized. God never robs you of life. False teachers do. False worldviews world will. It's a lie to think that God robs you of joy and life to the fullest. So we keep reading. All scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for what? For teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So I told you about the, the two ways back from Rowan County. Well, when we got on 64, we were supposed to go east and we went west. And Tracy, uh, by the way, Tracy's at home with a sick little Trace. And so we need to lift up little Trace. He's snotting all over the place. So uh, pray for little Trace. Um, but Tracy Pope's on this bus ride and Sullivan, he's asking for directions back. And he gets mad at me when I hit the mile markers. Like when you have a long road trip, I like to say, hey, we're an hour away. We're getting there. We're he doesn't like time checks because it makes the road trip longer. So he gets on me for giving the time check. The problem is we'd been on the bus for 30 minutes and we weren't closer. The GPS said we were an hour and 50 minutes away. The whole trip's only an hour and 45 minutes. And Tracy's like, dag on, Brown. I thought we've been on this bus a half hour. I'm like, Tracy, we have. And then Floor, who chimes in, he's like, guys, we're on the wrong way. How did Floor know we were on the wrong way? GPS, right? He's like, wait a second, guys. I can check this out. Boom. Punches in Holmes High School. He said, guys, we're going the wrong way. Tracy's like, no, no, we're not. Just give us some time. I think they know where they're going. We checked again. We got to over two hours. Estimated time to get back. We kept on going the wrong direction. Eventually, we got the right directions. We turned around on the highway and coming back. We had to line it up with the GPS. That's what we do in life. When you hear something, line it up to the Word of God. But then... Secondly, be on guard, look at the fruit. So you line up everything with the Word of God, but then you look at the fruit. Uh, there was this dude named Simon in the New Testament, and he fooled the early church. He tricked them. He was baptized, and they thought, oh, man, this guy's legit. But you want to know why he came to Christ? He wanted power. And they didn't see it at first, and you won't. Sometimes false teacher looks so close to the real thing, and you don't recognize it at first. But then you look at the fruit. And what happened was they sent Peter. Peter comes and prays for him, and the Holy Spirit's poured out. And this guy comes up to Peter and says, hey, I want that. Give me that power. And Peter's like, hey, whoa, you're on the wrong road. You're on the road leading to destruction. You need to pray and ask God to forgive you and see if he'll forgive you for what you think. You think you can buy the Spirit of God. You see, Peter recognized him by his fruit. Pretty simple, isn't it? When you look at fruit, you put up a tree. What type of tree is that? Thank you. Apple tree. Next one. Not a trick question. What type of tree? Very simple, isn't it? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. If you want to look at the teacher, look at his life. And we just had the Sermon on the Mount. Talked about how we should give and how we should pray and how we should fast. Talked about being merciful and being patient, being peacemakers. People can say they love Jesus, but if they don't live it, you tell it by their fruit. 
You want to know if a teacher is on the right road pointing to the right way, you look at the fruit. You line it up with the Word of God, and then you look at the fruit. All right? And it's a be on guard. And you got to be careful. What's on the line? What's on the line? Eternal life. Destruction or life. There's only two roads. False teachers point to the big one, where a lot of people are. Jesus points to the narrow, where there's life. And then finally, we get to this last part. I, I, I like this because, so we've hit on a couple of things and people are like, well, that's kind of narrow mind to say Jesus is the only way, right? Here's my question. If that's true, is it loving or unloving to say that? So the bus driver going the wrong way, I don't know where we were going. Was it a good thing to say, hey, man, we got to turn around? Or should we just let her keep on driving to who knows where? Although we might have made it to Florida because we were headed that direction. That's a good thing. You see, sometimes people say, well, that's not really. So you're saying a, a Hindu doesn't have eternal life? Or you're saying somebody, are you saying a good person who, who uh, loves his wife but doesn't care about Jesus isn't going? That's what Jesus said. He said there's a big highway leading to destruction, and I'm trying to warn everybody to turn to Christ. Because there's only one person who came to earth to die for our sin. And there's only one mediator. And that's true. And I love this attitude. Athanasius is an old guy from the 4th century, old dude, defended the truth. And there was a group of people saying Jesus isn't God. Jesus is just another guy. You ain't got to worry about him. And Athanasius is like, no, Jesus is God. He's fully God and he's fully man. And, and he goes on and he says, for a while he stood virtually alone in his defense for the deity of Christ, for the divineness of Christ. And now, DeMarcus, this would be a lonely road, right? If you're standing up for something, everybody else is making fun of you for standing up. What's the temptation? To sit down, be quiet. You're right, forget it, I'm done. And that's what, so now check out his response. I love this. His work stood the test of time and eventually won the day, during his day. He said, but during the darker periods, when he was sucked into the popular opinion of the day and seemed to be isolated from his friends and other Christians, he was advised to give up on his opinions because the whole world was against him. That was the advice given to him by people in the church. And I want you to hear his response. His reply was devastatingly simple. Then it is Athanasius against the whole world. I love it. When you're on the narrow way, don't expect a lot of people to agree with how you live and what you're teaching. But you follow Jesus. And that's the road that leads to life. We don't care what the world thinks. We know where we're going. And we're depending on Jesus to get us there. So evaluate your walk. This is the last part. The Lordship is in view. This is the passage that's scary to me. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So there's what people say, and there's what people do. Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. That's a terrifying thing. False teachers leading people to false belief. If you stand before God and you think you'll be in because of something you've done, you are eternally wrong. Who gets in? Who did Jesus say gets in? Hey, uh, 
This is important. People who follow him. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, this is very, very important because it can get twisted. Like, well, I just got to do the right thing. And I think that's what they were saying. It's like, didn't we cast out demons? Like, I don't know about you. I've never cast out a demon. That's pretty powerful stuff. Say, hey, didn't we do miracles in your name? Like, I never made someone that was crippled walk. I, I haven't done that. That's some pretty powerful stuff. They're saying that, right? I think some people today would say, hey, well, I was baptized. Listen, I showed up at church every day for five years in a row. I've read the Bible all the way through, right? And we constantly point to what we've done to earn salvation and just like, no, that doesn't get you on the right road. It says, I never knew you. You want to know what happens if Jesus knows you? You bear fruit. There's a, a pretty simple picture in John 15. Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you're connected to the vine who is Jesus, you're going to produce fruit that looks like Jesus. This is very simple for us. Cheerleaders cheer. Football players play football. Basketball players play basketball. Vocalists sing. And Christians follow Jesus. This is very simple. Look at the fruit. If you look more and more like Jesus, it's because you're connected to the vine who is Christ. I, lo I love this response from Don Carson. I think it's helpful in understanding this. He says, For those in the kingdom follow the king. The Father's will is not simply admired, discussed, praised, or debated. It is done. So look in your life. Does your life reflect obedience to Christ? Because if you're going to the kingdom, you have to follow the king. It is true, of course, that no man enters the kingdom because of his obedience, right? You don't earn it. But now check this out. It's equally true that no man enters the kingdom who's not obedient. It is true that men are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ, but it's equally true that God's grace in a man's life is inevitably results in obedience. I went out in the sun for a couple hours yesterday, and I felt the effect, right? I didn't have my ugly Golden State hat on. That smells. So my, my forehead and my bald spot got a little burnt. It's out in the heat. Whenever you hang out in the sun, you're going to feel the effect. So let me ask you, if you're hanging out with the person who created the sun, do you think you will not be affected by that? If we know Jesus and we are connected to the vine, the results in our life will be dramatic. We will look radically different. New heart, new desires, new affections. Don't think you can earn your way. Don't think you can get on the road yourself. The only way on the road that leads to life is through the ramp that is a cross. Jesus lays his life down and he takes it up again. Taste the destruction that you and I deserve so that we get the life that he earned. An Old Testament prophet says, by his wounds we are healed. So I want to leave you with a question because today is decision day. You have to decide which road are you on. I don't know which road you are on. You're either on the highway that leads to destruction or you're on a narrow road because you enter through Jesus that leads to life. Who are you listening to? Who's in influencing your life? 
Does the word of God have any impact in your life? One is pointing to the narrow way. There are many voices pointing to the highway that leads to destruction. And then we go to the issue of lordship. Who is Lord of your life? If you're your own Savior, you know where that road ends and it's destruction. But there's a way. There's life. And it's offered in Christ. And I love the invitation. Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He says, Anyone who opens, I'm coming in. If you're on the wrong road, Take the ramp that is Christ and see how you can have life. Today is decision day. And some of you need to make that decision. There's no special words and things you have to do. You ask God to forgive you and you believe Jesus died and rose for your sin. And then you follow him. And you watch how your life's transformed. You follow him in obedience. We're baptized because we're saved. And He calls us to be baptized. So we walk in obedience. We walk with Jesus. And as we walk with Jesus, it's amazing to see what He produces in our life. Don't try to do this in your own power. You'll end up on Judgment Day hearing the words, Depart from me, I never knew you. But you can know Him. He's knocking. Will you open the door? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that you open up eyes and open up hearts. Father, this isn't a light thing. Lord, we pray for those who are on the wrong road leading to the wrong place. We ask that you save them, that they see the glory that belongs to Christ. Father, I pray for this, that maybe on the narrow road, but man, we're struggling. I pray that you renew our energy, renew our strength. I pray you fill us with your spirit. Help us see the glory that is Christ, the grace that you've poured out in our lives. Don't let that grow cold in our hearts. And help us see our community in need of rescue. Help us be bold and obedient in taking the gospel to hurting people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.